0: Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bruce Exclusive. I'm your host Bruce Nolan. This is a Buffalo Rumblings podcast and you can find me on social media on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive on Instagram at Bruce Exclusive though be warned my Instagram is mostly just food and dogs. Welcome back. Welcome today to this special episode. I'll tell you why this episode is special. This episode is special because I get to have an opinion. I like having an opinion on things, and this is one of those opportunities. We are starting a podcast series today about football myths. Now, obviously, myth is a subjective term. It is something that I believe that has two common denominators. Number one, enough people believe it that it permeates either the fan or the sports culture that we live in. And two, that it's not true. That is how we are defining the word myth for the purposes of this conversation. For the purpose of this conversation, it has to be something that actual people believe. And enough people believe that it's worth talking about on a podcast like this. And in addition to that, it has to be not true. And obviously not true is subjective as well. Because depending on what argument you make, you can make a lot of things appear to be true. But I'm going to do my best to debunk some of these things that I believe to be football myths. And we're going to start this series off with something that's stuck in my craw and continually sticks in my craw, specifically when we're talking about the draft. We're talking about receivers, and the myth is this. There is an equivalence between the height of the receiver and their effectiveness in the red zone. That is the myth. Anytime you get a six foot four receiver, you think, oh, he's going to be a good red zone target. You get a tight end. Oh man, he's a target in the red zone. You know, he's got that height. And I don't think that's true. I don't think there is even a reasonable correlation between red zone effectiveness and height. So that's where we're going to start with because already probably some of you are out there listening thinking, well, that's ridiculous. More height is obviously going to be better in the red zone. Well, allow me to kind of wax poetic a little bit about why I don't think that there is an equivalence or even a strong correlation between height and red zone effectiveness. Now, obviously, The next step in this, if you know anything about me, you know where I'm going with this. The next step in this process is we have to define red zone effectiveness. So the first thing that I'm going to do, even before I get to that, is I'm going to talk about why I think this is a myth, why I think this is even the first part of what I said qualifies as a myth. And the first part of what I qualified as being a myth was it has to have a belief that permeates either the fan culture or the sport in general. So I do believe that this permeates it, not only just from listening to the vernacular as it comes around draft time, but if you sort the red zone targets, this is all all the stats I'm giving to you today are from pro football reference. If you sort red zone targets in the NFL and you go down, there is a correlation between the amount of times a receiver was targeted and their height. So let's just go through the top targeted red zone players. We're going to do it with inside the 10 yard line. So this is where you're trying to get a touchdown because you can't get a first down. That's why it's more effective than using inside the 20 because inside the 20, you can still get a first down, but inside the 10 you cannot get a first down, you have to get a touchdown. So with goal to go, with the everything on the line, you've got to score a touchdown. Here are the most targeted receivers in the NFL for 2019. Number one, right off the bat, Kenny Galladay, Detroit Lions, wide receiver, six foot four. Number two, Travis Kelsey, tight end for, of course, the Super Bowl champion. Kansas City Chiefs. Side note, I'm really happy for Andy Reed. I really am. I'm happy that he got one. I, you know, my my family, you know this, I have a lot of Eagles fans in my family, and he was never quite able to get over the hump in Philadelphia, and I'm happy for him. Travis Kelsey, 6 foot 5. Jarvis Landry, 5 foot 11, exception. Allen Robertson, 6 foot 3. Cooper Cup, six foot two. Mike Evans, six foot five. Larry Fitzgerald, six foot three. Tyler Higby, six foot six. Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones is six foot two. That's the same as Cooper Cup. Austin Hooper, the tight end, who's now with the Browns, six foot four. These are your top ten. All of them, except for one, are six foot two or taller. It's clear to me that the NFL thinks that Taller gives you more success in the red zone. Because if it wasn't, they wouldn't be targeting them so much. If you go with percentage of targets inside the 10, if you say, well, Bruce, raw numbers, those aren't as effective. Okay, fine. Let's switch it up. The percentage of the team's targets... That went to a player inside the 10-yard line. Number one, Travis Kelsey. Two, Kenny Galladay. Three, Jamison Crowder, exception to the rule. Allen Robinson. Vance McDonald, tall. Larry Fitzgerald. Cortland Sutton. Greg Olson. All of these people are tall. Now we start to get into big tight ends like Mike Gesicki. He shows up on this list. Greg Olson shows up on this list as mentioned earlier. This doesn't change anything. The vast majority of these people are still tall. So whether you do raw numbers or whether you do as a percentage of the team's targets, it still notices that there is a correlation, a strong correlation between NFL teams targeting people in the red zone, specifically inside the 10, and those people being tall. There is a direct correlation between that. I don't think that can be argued at this point. The vast majority of the top percentage and the top raw new targets Inside the 10 yard line, go to people who are over six foot two because the NFL wouldn't do it if they didn't believe it gave them the highest probability of being successful. But does it actually give them the highest probability of being successful? I would argue no, it doesn't. Let's change the metric a little bit, let's go to catch percentage inside the 10. So these are people who are actually completing the catch, not the people who are targeted. If you look at that and you skip through the people who just got one target, because there's a lot of people who just got one target, if you just assume that there is an acceptable level of targeting that is okay, now you run into a really different set of people. Julio Jones, he's tall. Tyler Lockett's not. Hunter Renfro's not. T.Y. Hilton's not. All of a sudden, wait a second, we're pulling up some people. Devontae Freeman ends up in the top 10 for that. James White's on that list, who's a running back and short. Yes, you still have some people. You still have DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Alshon Jeffrey, Hunter Henry. Those people are all tall, but a lot more short receivers start showing up at the top of this list, including some running backs. Leonard Fournette starts to show up on this list. Darius Slayton, just over six foot. He shows up on the list. The better pass catching running backs in the NFL start to show up on this list. Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey as being more effective in terms of catch percentage than the taller targets I mentioned before. So we have a juxtaposition now. The juxtaposition is, is between people who the NFL thinks are going to be effective inside the 10 and people who actually are effective inside the 10. And there is a much more correlation, a much more significant correlation between height and targets than there is between height and success. And that's my point. I'm not saying tall receivers can't be good in the red zone. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is, that that correlation between height and success isn't real. Those people are better in the red zone because they're good, not because they're tall. And so instead of having teams consistently throw to tall people, they should just consistently throw to good people. And so we always say that as the draft rules around, well, you know, we need a tall receiver. I'll never forget the James Hardy year for Buffalo Bills fans. We needed a tall receiver. We got a tall receiver. We didn't get the best receiver in the class. We passed on him. It was Deshaun Watson because he was short, but he was clearly the best receiver to come out of that class. But Tyler Lockett's one of the most effective red zone targets in the NFL. So was Hunter Renfro. Neither one of them would ever be considered tall. James White's a running back. T.Y. Hilton's not tall. These are people who were effective in the red zone, not just people who were targeted a lot in the red zone. So because the correlation is stronger between your height and the attempts you get versus your height and the success you have, that means they're targeting tall people more than they should be because they think they're going to be successful because they're tall. But why is that? Why do they think that? Why do they think tall people will be more effective in the red zone? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and I'm going to break it down a little bit as to why I think that might be. And you can tell me what you think of my opinions. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. And thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce exclusive. My name is Bruce Nolan. I am your host. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce exclusive. And I just finished laying out for you that there is a stronger correlation between the attempts and the targets that someone gets in the red zone, specifically inside the 10, and their height than there is between their height and their success. So that means there is a myth out there that being tall is going to make you better. We are targeting tall people more than we should be because they're tall. But why is that? Why do we think that that occurs And I will give you the answer in three words, goal, line, fade. I hate the goal line fade, ladies and gentlemen. I hate it. It is an extremely low percentage of success and people consistently run it. Since 2013, a goal line fade inside the five yard line has had a 33% chance of success. That exact same scenario has had a quick out be 75% success, a stick route be 60% success, a crossing route be 59% success, and a slant be 54% success, these stats according to Pro Football Focus. We're doing it more than we should, and that is targeting tall players, because we have this belief as a fandom and apparently as the NFL that goal line fades are important when there's no evidence to indicate that that's a high percentage play. In fact, there's every indication that it's a low percentage play. But when we have someone tall, we think that will give us a higher percentage of those plays. But it's not true. There's only one player who caught more than 50% of the fades thrown their way during the time that was being measured since 2013. It was Calvin Johnson. And he was obviously a freak. But he's not the only good receiver or the only tall receiver who was targeted. These are the people who have seen 10 or more targets on fade routes since 2013. DeAndre Hopkins, Des Bryant, Brandon Marshall, Jimmy Graham, AJ Green, Calvin Johnson, Alshon Jeffrey, Michael Crabtree, Julio Jones, Larry Fitzgerald, Rob Gronkowski. Wow. Okay, so in a five-year stretch from 13 to 18 when this was measured, all those players were targeted more than 10 times, and the only one who had over a 50% success rate was Megatron. It's a myth, ladies and gentlemen, this idea that you need a tall receiver so that you can run a really low percentage play. So hold on now. We're going to acquire a player due to a trait that allows us to maximize a play that we shouldn't be running off in anyway. Well, that doesn't make very much sense. Get good players, not tall players. And I heard this a lot, a lot before the draft. Well, we need size. And then when we traded for Stefan Diggs, everyone forgot about that. No one threw their hands up in the air and said, well, you know, he's not tall because we recognize that he's good. But before we traded the first round pick, then there was all this well, you know, we got T. Higgins, we got to add that size dynamic to the receiver room. I mean, if he's good, sure. But don't just add size to add size. There's no correlation between someone being tall and being that red zone target. If anything else, there are a litany of other traits that increase your red zone effectiveness more than height. I would argue short area separation is far more important in the red zone than it is, than height is. Because the windows are smaller and they close faster. As such, you need to be able to separate faster and present yourself to a quarterback. The Bills figured this out a little bit last year. They ran some Cole Beasley routes in the red zone and he was able to separate specifically on some quick outs and get room for Josh Allen to make a throw. But this idea that you need a tall receiver so you can run us a fade in the inside the five yard line is just ludicrous. There is plenty of math out there that indicates that that's not something you should be running often. So getting a receiver with a skill set or a physical skill that will help you maximize a play you shouldn't be running over and over and over again? I mean, that doesn't seem very wise to me. So that's why my argument is that there isn't a correlation, a strong one anyway, and there certainly isn't an equivalence between a height of a receiver and their red zone aptitude. Here is the other thing that this argument does. It does away with the idea that there are such a thing as red zone specialists in the NFL. I ran off some of the names to you of some people who were effective in the red zone. And guess what? Those people are effective everywhere else on the field too. Julio Jones, Tyler Lockett, Hunter Henry, Hunter Redfro had a good season for the Raiders, T.Y. Hilton, James White, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Zach Ertz, DeAndre Hopkins, Dallas Goder, Devontae Freeman, Alshon Jeffrey. These people aren't specialists. So the people who did the best in that role and had high success in that role in the NFL in 2019 weren't people who were specialized in that role. So the same traits that made them good between the 20s and between the 10s, shockingly enough, made them good inside the 10. There isn't some sort of special skill set where you come in as a red zone specialist and have effectiveness there. That's not a thing because being tall doesn't give you special powers in the red zone. The same things that made you great in between the 20s are still going to make you great in the red zone. And that's important. Because I'm not saying height doesn't matter. I'm saying height doesn't matter in a vacuum. Height is not in and of itself so valuable that you pass up other things to do it. The Seattle Seahawks have a big, monstrous receiver in DK Metcalf. Guess who got way more red zone targets? Tyler Lockett got 23 targets inside the 20, 23 targets inside the 20. That's a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, that's quite a bit. Tyler Lockett had seven targets inside the 10. The number one player for targets inside the 10 was Cooper Cup and he's six foot two. They had a monster in Seattle in DK Metcalf, but they consistently targeted the shorter guy because right now he's the better player. Not that DK Metcalf isn't going to end up being a good player. I think he had a really nice rookie season for the Seattle Seahawks. I think he's going to be a good player there. But they targeted their best player, not their tallest player. And that's the point. They targeted their best player, not their tallest player. Because there isn't a correlation between how tall you are and how good you are in the red zone. There is a qual- the correlation between how good you are and how good you are in the red zone because that stuff carries through. But it's because you're good, not because you're tall. Being tall is just a side note. They also happen to be tall. It doesn't make you good in the red zone. And that's the point. So w- the next time the draft comes around or the next time the free agency comes around and you feel like you need to add something, your team... In this case, the Bills, if you're listening to this and you're Bills fan, you feel like your team needs to add size dynamic. Ask yourself why. And be sure you are not waiting that too much. I'm not saying height doesn't matter. I'm saying don't weight it too much. Don't weight it over skill set. Don't weight it over separation. Note that it matters but maybe not as much as you thought it did. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the first of the myths that I hope I helped you debunk on this episode of the Bruce Exclusive. Stick with me because tomorrow we're going to do your almighty takes and we're going to help debunk another myth. But before we do it, I am going to tell you what next week's almighty take is going to be in case you are new to the program find me on twitter follow me hit me with a hashtag almighty take i will read through them on the friday episode which i'll do tomorrow and then i'll do next week again and i'll make sure that i get to go through your almighty takes because i want your opinion on some of this stuff this past week which is going to come tomorrow right this past week i told you i wanted your hashtag almighty take on football myths something you thought was a myth Next week, I want a hashtag almighty take. And we're going to do something a little bit odd here. I want you to hit me with the almightiest of takes regarding food. I've been getting a lot lot of feedback on the Instagram pictures that I've been posting regarding some of the things my wife and I have been concocting in the kitchen recently. And we're going to be doing football myths for a little bit. But I really want to take a sidebar because, you know, we need a little bit of levity right now. Football is coming back, hopefully, but I need a little bit of levity. I think you do, too. Hit me with a hashtag almighty take in regards to food. Not necessarily your hottest take, the best take you've got. The truest, most profound, almighty take you have regarding food. And I will read it off next Friday. Not tomorrow's episode, but next Friday's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. And that's the way the cookie rumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings.